0: Our episodes contain graphic information that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Would you
1: like some murder with your coffee?
2: Welcome to Morning Murders. I'm Nicole. I'm Amanda. And I'm Brenna. We're just three gals that like to sit around, drink coffee, and talk about true crime. True crime. Crime. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, and we like to talk about like the fact that we have like a merch store. We do have a merch yeah. store. We have this thing called Kofi, which kind of helps us. Uh, like you can donate directly to us, and it literally buys us enough for like a coffee. Yeah, let's buy
1: us a cup of coffee. Yeah.
2: Um, we are kind of also thinking about like looking into weird coffee sources from around the internet and the world to see yes. if we can like do things partnerships and, yeah partnerships let's be let's beans let's be uh you can send us if you make coffee because some people do if you make yeah. coffee you can send us that coffee like you can reach out to us in our email and you can send us your coffee and then we'll try it and talk about it on the yeah, episode we will yeah. we'll promote
1: your stuff yeah we love coffee we. literally we love coffee yeah it's a problem no
2: <laughs> and a solution yes <laughs>
1: agreed uh, mm-hmm. oh. yeah this microphone smells like coffee it does mm. it does I it doesn't often, but you leaned in <laughs> I often uh, will spill coffee on myself and I go well it's fine because yeah. <laughs> so I smell like coffee anyways yeah. yeah
0: it's just you're just attracting people <laughs> to true. you it's mm-hmm. true
1: mm. yeah. And uh, thank you, Amanda, for being the coffee witch and bringing us some coffee today. Hey. You did! Yeah. Uh, we wanna, where did you get the coffee from today? I got it from Royal Coffee Roasters.
0: I really, really like that place. Mm-hmm. I think it's incredible. I'm not a black coffee drinker like you guys because I still mm. have, like, a lit, some of my soul. <laughs> um, but I, when I have had theirs, it's really good. So uh, to me, that's, like, the baseline, right? Like, if I like your black coffee... Done. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. incredible. Everything I've had there is super, super good. It's pretty good. Man, their cold brew makes me <laughs> feel things. Yeah. <laughs> and see. And sea yeah, time. like, like see sounds time, yes, and <laughs> smell colors. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Awesome. So, warning. To know. <laughs> yeah. If you ever need to time travel, go mm-hmm. to Royal Coffee. Royal their Coffee. Cold, yeah. yeah, there's their a few brew. around the Las Vegas area.
1: That's cool. Well, yay. Yeah. Thank you. And you've brought us a story. I did. I am a story I, witch today and as well. I'm a story
0: witch, and I bring you this tale all the way from the East Coast. Um, are any of you familiar with the name Amy Fisher?
1: Yes. Yes? I don't Brenna's know
0: why. Brenna's like, uh, maybe because, how about
1: Joey Buttafuoco? That sounds familiar, but I don't know why.
0: Oh, no.
2: Oh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Go for it.
0: Yeah. like (laughs) The name, everyone's like, I know that name, but what is it? I'll tell you, beans. (laughs) All right. So Joey Budafuco met his wife, Mary Jo, during ninth grade summer school, and from then on, they were inseparable. He worked for his father's auto body shop, and she worked for the bank. They did fairly well for themselves and were able to buy a beautiful home in which they raised two wonderful children. In their younger years, Joey and Mary Joe admitted to liking the party scene. But I guess Joey had a little harder time letting go of it than Mary Joe did. Mm. Uh, he went to rehab at one point and, and got a little better, but things were just never perfect. Mary Joe called him the number one child, but the kids just remembered having a really fun dad. Okay. May 19th, 1992, was supposed to be a great day. This was the first day that Mary Jo was going to allow her children to ride their bikes to school alone. They were finally big enough. Her daughter was eager to go, but her son kept coming back into the house. He kept saying that something was wrong and he didn't want to leave his mom. Mary Jo brushed it off as his nerves and told him that he had to go and everything would be fine. Once the kids had left, Mary Jo went out in the backyard to get some work done. While she was out there, she heard the doorbell ring and came to answer it. At the door was a teenage girl with long brown hair who she didn't recognize. She was about to brush off the teen when the young girl blurts out that Mary Jo's husband is having an affair with her younger sister. Seeing that this girl was very young herself, Mary Jo asked, How old are you? And the girl answered, I'm 19, but my sister is 16. Then the young girl held out a t-shirt as her form of proof. The shirt was from the auto body shop where Joey worked. The girl gave the name Anne Marie and said that she lived a few streets away. But Mary Jo immediately noticed that she was pointing in the wrong direction of the street she mentioned. So obviously, mm. this girl was lying to her. Mm. Mary Jo said she said something along the lines of, Thanks for coming by, and turned to walk away through the front door. But before she knew it, that was it. Mary Jo had been shot through the cardioid artery in her neck. Oh my God. She bled out on the porch Ooh. until neighbors called 911. Oh my God. By then, the young girl had run off into a getaway car and was speeding down the street, dumping the shirt in a sewer along her route. Paramedics rushed Mary Jo to the hospital, and she spent seven hours in surgery. They were unable to remove the bullet, but miraculously, she did survive. Holy cow. When she awoke in the hospital, a nurse was there to reassure her, telling her that she had been shot, she was in the hospital, but she was going to be okay. Police asked Mary Jo to do her best at telling them what she remembered. She talked about the young girl named Anne Marie and the shirt from her husband's auto body shop. Joey said that this was a brand new logo that they had just released, and he had only given it to one person. That person was Elliot Fisher, one of his regular customers. Mm. Turns out that Elliot had a daughter who had a lot of work on her car done by Joey. It seemed that Elliot and Joey had this deal so that Amy could come in, get whatever work she needed done, and it would just, like, be put on Elliot's bill. Mm. It started out as little things, but eventually it seemed like she was ruining her car just to come in and visit Joey. Oh, no. Once everybody put two and two together and figured out that, yes, this must be Amy they're talking about, the police ask Joey to call her and try to lure her out. Amy agrees to meet up with Joey, and as soon as she leaves her home, police pull her over and arrest her. She spent 12 hours in custody and wasn't able to call her parents, so they thought that she had been abducted. Oh, God. Oh it, was, God. Yeah, it wasn't until the police showed up on their doorstep the next day that they realized she had been taken into custody. Mm-hmm. At this point in time, Joey was denying and denying that he ever had a relationship with this girl. He's right. saying that, yeah, <laughs> she's just some unhinged teenager who's obsessed with them. He doesn't know why. Obviously, this is bullshit. Shit. Oh, my right. God. According to Amy, the first time they hooked up was when Joey drove her home one day and proceeded to have sex with her in her childhood bedroom. Whoa. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I feel and I feel so bad for Mary Jo because like for his wife because for a long time she was standing near him backing him up the whole way. She said that, you know, everything was fine in their relationship until Amy Fisher showed up at her doorstep and she had no idea that there was ever anything wrong. She totally blindsided. So to her it kind of made sense too that well i would have known something was going on i think this is just an unhinged woman right oh. maybe he really didn't have anything to do with it right so so who exactly was this seemingly random teenager well you might know her as her media-given title, the Long Island Lolita. Oh, yeah. Amy Elizabeth Fisher was born in Merrick, New York, on August twenty first, 1974. She came from a middle-class family, but she wasn't without much. She drove a nice car, she had a beeper, and you know, all those cool 1990s oh, teenager beeper. things. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Call me beep me.
0: <laughs> if you want to me. All right. Uh, she had dreams of going to fashion school and becoming a designer. Amy would later come out saying that her childhood was incredibly rough. She said her father was abusive. She also claims that um, she was sexually assaulted by a family member as a mm-hmm. child. Yikes. She said that at age 13, a repairman working on her home raped her in her childhood bedroom. Oh, my God. Her mom claimed to believe all of her stories. However, she also didn't report them. Ooh.
2: Amy said, <gasps> Joey, sorry, just that experience you're going, that's awful, honey. And then, and then like just that like nothing happened it. It. Yeah, to so not terrible. helping. That's not helpful. Yeah, that's awful.
0: Amy said Joey would wine and dine her, and they would go out on his boat. And, you know, she said she finally felt loved and cared for for oh, the first time. Man. She said she loved him so much that when he asked her to go into sex work, she went with it. Oh, Things got pretty rocky from there, and he, at one point Amy even attempted suicide. They got packed together about a month after. This was all leading up to the infamous day in May. Now, depending on who you ask, either A, Joey spoke a lot about how he wanted Mary Jo killed, or B, Amy took it upon herself to get rid of the competition. Mm. Either way, Amy first tried getting help from a few different friends to aid her with her horrific ideas. Mm. She asked one friend, Stephen Sleeman, and he said no, he couldn't go through with it, but the plan was already in motion. Amy had walked up to the front door and rang the doorbell at the Budafuco residence. Mary Jo answered it, and Amy acted like she was selling candy. At first, Mary Jo said she didn't want it, but Amy was, like, super persistent. All the while, she had Stephen waiting in the car. So Amy's, like, assuming that he's going to come out and do the job for her, but he had had a change of heart. So she went through with the candy story. Mary Jo actually lets her into the house and pays her a dollar just to get rid of her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary Jo would later recall this encounter and add that it was obvious that this candy like came from a gas station.
1: But this happened before she showed up and shot her? Yes. Which, so she didn't remember her? She didn't remember
0: her from this time. random oh, moment dang. until later when it was brought up. Because they're trying to see if this is a premeditated. Sure, act, yeah. You know? Okay. Dang. She asked uh, another friend, Chris Trellis, but he also wouldn't go through with it. However, third time's a charm in Peter Guagenti. She offered him $800 in exchange for his gun and being the getaway driver. He would only serve four months in jail for this. She tells him that, or
1: that's, like, what happened?
0: That's what happened.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. she's yeah. like, and you'll only serve four months in jail? No, 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 <laughs> yeah. I, I'm telling you, like, how ridiculous, he only served four months in jail.
0: Yeah. The important thing here is that, uh, like we were just saying, it shows premeditation on mm-hmm. Amy's part. This wasn't just, like, a crime of passion or in the moment. The night before Amy's bail hearing, tabloids released a videotape of her negotiating a sexual contract with a man in a hotel room. Assistant District Attorney Fred Klein made it his mission to prove Amy was nothing but a prostitute, his words, not mine, who had stalked Mary Jo Butefico for months. She was charged with attempted second-degree murder, first-degree assault, and a host of firearm-related felonies. Amy's defense attorney, Eric Nayberg argued that if Fisher was in sex work, it was only because Joey pimped her out. Unfortunately, the judge wasn't really buying it, and he set Amy's bail at $2 million while she awaited trial.
1: And so, second degree, because first degree murder is planned out, mm-hmm. but and second degree is like in the moment she thought of it. Yeah. So, did they decide second degree maybe because they couldn't prove that she was planning it all along? And they just, because like she showed up with a gun, it was obviously premeditated. She didn't just in the spur of the moment decide she was going to kill this woman. Well, but
0: she did say that she didn't mean to shoot her because she hit her, so she actually hit her on the back of the head with the gun, and then it went off. Oh.
1: Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, I just showed up with a gun. I wasn't intending to shoot it. I wanted to hit her with it. I just
0: want to scare her a little. I'm just saying, like, what is... A bat would have been
1: easier. I don't... Anyways, (laughs) go on.
0: Um... All right, so where were we? Yeah, so the bail was set uh, as $2 million. Okay, so her bail was set as $2 million, and this kind of blew my mind, but because the judge refused to lower Fisher's bail, her attorney got creative with how they would get the money. He ended up getting her a deal to sell the rights to her story for a large amount of money. Oh, my God. And then ended up paying for a major portion of her bail, and Amy was released. Our new theme of this uh, this month has been anyone can write a book. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> Sell your <laughs> life right. Sell your yeah. life right. Anyone rights. can write a book. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the prosecution was absolutely disgusted and upset by this. They brought up the son of Sam Law that had come up in 1977, stating basically that
1: criminals could not sell their stories for profit. Which is why Paul Bernardo got profit from his book because it wasn't based off his crimes. Uh, see Damn. exactly yeah and yeah.
0: however but six months before amy's trial that law had been rendered unconstitutional oh, and an dang. infringement of the first amendment
1: rights to free speech
2: oh dang different countries right
1: yeah because paul bernard is canada
2: yeah yes yeah kind of like how in canada you can have a non-canadian host a show that's why rupaul's not hosting rupaul's drag race canada oh. hmm. yeah i didn't know that yeah because it's like
1: yeah different yeah. different laws yeah, yeah. So interesting. Okay, go on. Anyway,
0: uh, so the prosecution tried to charge the defense with improperly funding Fisher's release. However, she stayed free.
2: Mm-hmm. Mary Jo
0: Botofuco was not thrilled uh, and ended up filing a civil suit against Amy for over $1 million, which included the money from her movie contract.
1: Movie? Yeah. yeah.
0: Then Mary Jo turned around and sold the rights to her own story to CBS for several hundred thousand dollars. But on September 23rd, 1992, Amy Fisher pled guilty to two lesser charges of reckless assault rather than face the uncertain outcome of a trial for attempted murder. Mm. Mary Jo said, quote, she tried to kill me and now she's taking my husband and trying to destroy us. This girl is an attempted murderer, a liar, a prostitute, and the DA is accepting her statement that she and Joe were together. Something's wrong here. Mm. But Amy was still free while she was awaiting sentencing, so she went to visit her boyfriend, Paul Makeley. What she didn't know is that her boyfriend was secretly recording the entire conversation. Mm. She talked about wanting to marry Paul so that they'd be able to have conjugal visits when she went away to prison. She was also talking about how she deserved a Ferrari for all that she'd been through. Basically, she wanted this to make her famous. (laughs) Gross. Whoops. (laughs) Well, Paul sold the tape to Hard Copy, which is the national tabloid show, and Fisher was back on top of the headlines. When she saw the tape had been released, Amy actually tried to commit suicide and was checked into a psychiatric hospital. As soon as she was released, though, she was sent straight back to prison to avoid the media. By now, police investigators had collected a handful of motel receipts signed by Joey Botofuco on dates when Fisher claimed to have met with him.
2: Mm.
0: FBI handwriting analysis confirmed that most of the receipts carried his signature. But a lack of other evidence and with Fisher's reputation making her a useless witness, the district attorney announced that Buttafuoco would not be indicted. Mm. At her sentencing on December 1st, 1992, Fisher nervously apologized but continued to insist that Joey Buttafuoco had encouraged her to shoot Mary Jo. Judge Goodman said, quote, you are a disgrace to yourself, your family, and your friends. You are like a walking stick of dynamite with the fuse lit. He then sentenced Amy to 5 to 15 years in prison. Hmm. The Buttefuqos happily declared that they were satisfied with the verdict and used the occasion to once again brand Fisher a liar. Major television networks soon aired the made-for-TV movies, whose broadcast rights had floated Fisher's Bond and paid the Botafuco's medical and legal bills. Local interest in the crime had faded, however, movie ratings were skyrocketing. Hmm. There was a lot of, like, there's SNL, there's, like, there all so kinds of stuff. so much about this, I remember it. Yeah. things And things weren't exactly over for the Butafucos. Police questioned former employees of Joey's, and um, they said that he had boasted about having sex with Fisher when she was underage. Mm. On April 15th, 1993, Joey was indicted on six counts of statutory rape, 12 counts of sodomy, and one count of endangering the welfare of a child. He pled not guilty. However, on October 5th, 1993, Buttafuoco pled guilty to one count of statutory rape, the most serious charge, in a 19-count indictment against him. At this trial was also where Joey finally admits on the record that he did have a sexual relationship with Amy. Yeah, Ooh. saw that coming yep. <laughs> from a mile away. Uh-huh. Right? Joey was sentenced to six months in prison and five years probation. He was also fined $5,000. He left prison after serving only 129 days, <laughs> flashing a thumbs-up sign at photographers. His wife threw a welcome home party for him and several hundred guests attended. But Joey didn't exactly keep his nose clean for long. He would later be convicted of trying to solicit sex from an undercover officer. Oh, my God. And then later of trying to violate his parole for said crime. Amy ended up serving her time in prison, but it wasn't without made-up stories from the press. As some of you may already know, Amy went on to have a pretty hearty career in the adult entertainment industry. I will not link any of it in the show notes, but you all know how to use Google. <sighs> Uh, Joey also tried to make a name for himself in television, but it was pretty short-lived. But I think it's most important that we speak about the victim in this case, Mary Jo Buttafuoco. It seems as though she's moved on with her life and ended up divorcing Joey in 2003. Mm -hmm. In 2010, she wrote a book called Getting It Through My Thick Skull, Why I Stayed, What I Learned, and What Millions of People Involved with Sociopaths Need to Know. She still grapples with her injuries. Um, She is partially paralyzed on one side of her face and deaf in one ear. Because surgery would have been too dangerous, the bullet remains lodged in her neck. Mm. About the whole ordeal, Mary Jo said, quote, It wasn't an assault. It was an assassination. Mm. And that is the story of Mary Jo and Joey Budofuco and their encounter with a Long Island lolita. Final sips? <laughs>
1: Um, so in reading the book, The Sociopath Next Door, right, um, I learned a lot, like, a lot of the light bulbs kind of go off in my brain when I read this, when I read the stories in the book, and, uh, a lot of it is about, like, why a person who isn't a sociopath stays with a sociopath, Mm -hmm. and, like, because the idea of a sociopath is lack of conscience. Um, you don't have that little voice or thing in your head that, like, makes you feel bad for doing something or do the, or choose to do the right thing or whatever it is, care or feel for other people. Um, and... I see that in this story, right? Because she she makes up excuses, which is what we, with con- with a conscience, we do that. We make up an excuse because the idea of it being true is so outlandish mm-hmm. and awful that we're like, oh, no, 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 it co- he couldn't have actually meant that. He means, it. no matter how many times it's repeated, too, you get into this head that like, oh, no, no, he doesn't mean it, or they don't mean it, she doesn't mean it. Um, They couldn't possibly actually be trying to sabotage this or treat me mean or try to kill me, right? Right. And it's just our conscious trying to protect ourselves from how awful this fact actually is. Mm-hmm. So I understand in a way like why she would have, you know, I'm a to throw party. None of this is real. I'm in constant denial because it's too terrifying to actually come to terms with it until she was ready to. Because she obviously does. She divorces him. She leaves mm-hmm. him. She writes a book about it. Um, but, yeah, sociopaths just find the weakness, find our weak little things and just push on them and bury themselves in there and find ways to manipulate us and keep us on the hook, if you will, Um, no matter what they do. He cheated on her, admits Mm -hmm. to it, does all these things. Mm -hmm. But because of their relationship and how they've been or whatever it is, she stays and, like, makes up these excuses for him. And it's awful, and I feel horrible for her. But I'm glad she was able to, like— find her way out of it and, like, push through this horrible, like she said, assassination on Mm -hmm. her life and, like, try to find ways to just move on and keep living the best life that she possibly can without these people, these awful, awful people. And I feel bad for, like, Amy, too, because, like, being so young and, like, being exposed to some pretty terrible things from an adult, um, she shouldn't have never been in those situations. And I'm sure there are a lot of other things going on, too, that we know nothing about. But, like, you should never put children... In these hor- in these situations, yeah, she's a,
0: she's a child. I felt like it was really unfair that the media called her a Long Island Lolita. Like mm-hmm. you said, she's a, child she's a child, and she was groomed and manipulated. Yeah. And sure, she probably maybe maybe Joey didn't say hi. Here is a gun. Please kill my wife. Maybe not in so many terms, but like, I, when you're that young, your brain is not developed yet. Mm-mm. I know that like. This sounds weird, but, like, when I look back at my teenage years, sometimes it's a very, like, dreamlike state where I'm like, man, my relationships were so important. Like, things were life or death all the time. And mm-hmm. so I could see where a young girl in this spot of her life, with all the things that happened to her before, he was like, I'm going to just prey on that, take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. And it was just the perfect storm.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's so unfair that Mary Jo had to suffer because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, like, um... For any of our younger listeners, if you are in like of you know the teenage years, um, if you have a friend or you know somebody that is dating a person that is much older than they are, there is something wrong with that adult. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna just say that right Mm -hmm. now if you are 16 and you're dating a 30 something year old man there is something wrong with with that 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 adult and I will call you out adults can come at me with that shit and go no me and my relationship with my 18 year old You know, boyfriend is fun. No, No. you gotta think about the danger you're putting that person into. And if you, if I think back on the person I was, you just said like it was the most important thing. My brain Mm -hmm. wasn't developed yet. If I think back on those relationships, I go, no, they just they said I was so much more mature for my age. There is something wrong with that adult. Mm -hmm. You are a child. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you are a child. Like your brain isn't even fully developed until you're like 25. So Mm -hmm. like like just and it's a it's a tough thing to grapple with especially because you were like especially because you if you were the younger person in that relationship you were like doted on for being able to hang out with the older kids mm-hmm. when like no that adult was doing a wrong that's not okay. Yeah,
1: it is okay to be a child and like yeah. it there's nothing wrong with being young mm-hmm. and like you don't need to grow up fast and feel like you're more mature by dating somebody older like Brenna said something is wrong with that adult yeah it's not okay it's
2: not okay you're a child but yeah. then you know also if you're an adult that is you know dating younger way way younger people than you like teens and like mm-hmm. way you know like that's that's uh, something to just, like, take a moment and look at because mm-hmm. their brains aren't developed yet and they can take things like this. He could have easily said, like, well, if my wife wasn't in the picture, we could be together. And then mm-hmm. this child is going to take that Which and is run with it. Which possible that those yeah. things were said mm-hmm. or something of the like. If only I wasn't married, we could be together. Like, right. to just not have to be with this teenager, he could use mm-hmm. that as an excuse, right? Like, that's just all – this is all just making it up on, off the top of my head. But, like, if that was possible – a child would absolutely not understand the consequences of their actions and like try to take it upon themselves. Yeah, again, so. like
1: the sociopath preys on your weaknesses mm-hmm. and like as like you're saying, as a child whose brain isn't developed yet and still figuring stuff out and still having nerves connect to each other, mm-hmm. like you are getting preyed on for this weakness and yeah. if it's he's manipulating. It's yeah. very manipulative. Just like Carla did with Paul. Even though Paul may or may not have actually was going to murder those girls anyways, Carla definitely pushed those forward. At least one of
2: them. Yeah. At least one that we know of for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, that's that's got to be so crazy. Just look out for your friends. And I know mm-hmm. it's a tough conversation to have, but if if you know of someone that's dating someone that's like, if you're a child, if you're mm-hmm. in school and your friend's like... My brother's friend who's 20, almost 30-something is, mm-hmm. you know, taking me out. And you're, like, 16. Like, just please have your friends back. <laughs> like yeah. Tell their parents. Tell their parents. Or <laughs> just, like, or just at least tell your friend, like, what's wrong with him that he needs to hang out with a teenager and not yeah. people mm-hmm. his own age? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with your friends. Like, it's just no. he should be hanging out with people his own age. When you get that age, you totally fucking get it. Like, in mm-hmm. being in my 30s and, you know— like, b- being in my 60s now, I'm, <laughs> yes. you just you think about, like, you know, you're just like, God, I was so stupid. And, like, I don't – not that I dislike youths. It's that, like, I'll talk to you, but I don't want to date you. Get away from me. Like, you're a child. Go away. Like, please. Anyways, that's my final sip. <laughs> oh. Great. <laughs> this poor kid. And yeah. The poor lady. Yeah. It's all, all sad. Yeah. All traumatic. Yeah. Well, I need another cup of
1: coffee. I mean, maybe an espresso shot from that. Yeah. yeah it's heavy stuff. But yeah, like we all said, keep an eye on your friends. Mm-hmm. And um, join us again next time on another episode of Morning, Morning Murders. Murders. Snakes! Snakes! Oh, God, why'd it have to be oh. snakes? Snakes! <laughs> Thank you for listening to Morning Murders. Remember to stop by every Monday for a new
2: episode. And you can always check out our resources and mental health links in our show notes. If you enjoyed listening to our highly caffeinated conversation, please leave us a five-star rating and check us out on Instagram. At Morning Murders. That's at M-O-U-R-N-I-N.
1: R-D-E-R-S. If you have any stories you'd like to hear or
0: discuss around the breakfast nook, email us at morningmurders at gmail.com. Thank Thank you you for listening. listening.
2: I gotta lean in. Lean in. Get in there, it's cleared off for you. Yeah,
1: get in there, Amanda. Amanda. Amanda!
2: Oh, Amanda. Amanda. Yeah. Amanda, Amanda quack, Amanda, Amanda. <laughs> yeah. oh, Amanda. Oh, no, I was trying to like say it at the same pitch Oh, <laughs> Like I was trying to like just make it sound like one voice So it's like even creepier <laughs> Amanda. Amanda. Felt, like, Amanda, Amanda, Amanda Amanda <laughs> I mean, boat. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, like our Patrick. Yeah.
2: Wee woo. Wee woo. Wee woo. Wee woo. Wee woo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, old school Spongebob was pretty yes. good. Yeah,
1: it old school. Yeah, it was pretty fun.
2: I agree. Back when they animated it, kind of like Ren and Stimpy a little bit. Oh, like, yeah. Where it was like they had that hard, realistic art style that fucking was just incredible. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um. <coughs> All right. Ready? Are you ready? Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me.
1: Oh. Cute. Oh. Cute. Oh. Right. oh. Harder. <laughs> oh. Harder.
0: Oh. Harder. More. Ugh. Don't tell me what to do, Bruna. <laughs> <right. laughs> oh my god! My other- I had to get that out the whole time.
2: Okay. My other favorite one is to go shut up. Like really. I like <laughs> that <laughs> one too. Shut up. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> oh, I guess were doing it on purpose. <laughs> I like that. Amanda. <laughs> Woo! Enough. Right. Like, that's another good one. Enough. Enough! Enough!
1: We get it. You're sneezing. We, we, get, get, it. It. we get it.
0: You're an itchy boy. <laughs> All
1: right.
0: Penadryl, <laughs> not a sponsor. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Hold on. While we're here,
2: just gonna.
1: Mmm.
2: It's because it still bro. tickles,
0: and so every time I talk, it makes it tickle. Do you
2: want me to get in there?
0: No. Oh, I'm climbing
2: that nose.
0: No. <laughs> His wife grew <laughs> <rule>. a sorry. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> I'm not sorry. Okay, go ahead.